0: chapter five of the silent battle by george gibbs recording by tony oliva this librivox recording is in the public domain woman and man there were no voices in the woods that night or if there were any the girl in the lean-to did not hear them the sun had already found its way past the protecting flap of her shack before she awoke The first thing she discovered was that at some time during the night he had put his coat over her again. She held it for a moment in her fingers, thinking, before she rose, then got up quickly and peered out. The morning was chill, but the fire showed signs of recent attention, and on the saucepan which had been placed near the fire a piece of birch bark was lying. She picked it up curiously to read a hastily-penciled scrawl. "'I'm off up-country. I must go far, so don't be frightened if I'm not back for supper. Be careful with your foot, and keep the fire going. There are fish and firewood, enough to last. Nothing can harm you. With luck, I'll bring my guide and duffel bag.' she glanced quickly over her shoulder into the depths of the pine woods in the direction he must have taken as though she hoped to see him walking there then the birch bark still in her hands sat down on the log read the message over again smiling she had begun to understand this tall young man with the grim unshaven face and somber peering eyes those eyes had frightened her at first and even now the memory of them haunted her until she recalled just what they did when he smiled and then remembered that she was not to be frightened any more he had been gone for several hours she knew this by the condition of the fire but wondered why he had not spoken more definitely about his plans the night before possibly he had been afraid that she would not have slept she had slept soundly dreamlessly and she found herself wondering how she could have done so the last thing she could recall was looking out through sleepy eyes at his profile as he sat motionless by the fire staring into the shadows she knew then that fear of him had passed and that had she slept under a city roof she could not have been more contented to sleep securely he would be gone all day of course and she must depend upon her own exertions first she filled the little saucepan with water and put it between the two flat stones that served for its hearth then took from the creel two fish that he had cleaned the night before halfway to the fire she paused her crutch in mid-air balancing herself safely without its aid she peered to right and left among the branches and then put the fish back into the creel in quick decision a bath she had been longing for it for two days her resolution made she took up her crutch and hobbled down the stream turning her head back over her shoulder in the direction of the camp as if she still feared she might have misread the birch-bark message warm with expectancy and the delight of the venture she found a sheltered pool beneath the dense foliage and bathed her lithe young body in the icy water gasping for breath she splashed across the sandy pool and back again with half-uttered cries of delight and the naiads and oreads flitted fearfully among the trees whispering and peering cautiously at the slim white creature which had intruded so fearlessly upon their secret preserves the water was cold oh so cold with one last plunge which set her teeth chattering the bather clambered up the bank into the sunlight chilled to the bone but glowing suddenly with the swift rush of new blood along her rosy limbs upright upon the bank she moved vigorously back and forth and releasing her hair let it clothe and warm her while she stood drying her face toward the sun apollo looked with favor on this clytie and sent his warmest rays that she might not have gazed at him in vain a miracle had happened to her ankle too for she moved quite without pain dressing and making her way back to the fire using her crutch only as a staff she gathered cedar by the way for her morning tea her mentor had made some of it for her the night before and her lips twisted at the thought of drinking it again but the essence of the woods their balsam their fragrance their elixir had permeated her and even this bitter physic seemed palatable now she remembered his couplet last night a quart of arborvitae to make you big and mighty at the fire she spitted her fish leaning back against the log her hair drying in the sun and wind the warm fire bringing a warm glow throughout her body she ate and then stretched her arms toward the kindly trees it was good to be strong and young with life just ripening At that moment, it did not matter just what was to become of her. She was sure that she no longer felt any uneasiness as to the end of her adventure. Her guardian had gone to find a way out. He would come back tonight. In time, she would go back to camp. She didn't care when. The present seemed sufficient. In all ways, save one. She had no mirror she combed her hair with her back comb and braided it carefully with fingers long accustomed instinct demanded that she look at her face circumstance refused her the privilege for of vanity boxes she had none and when like narcissus she knelt at the brink of the pool and looked into its depths the water was full of iridescent wrinkles and she only saw the mocking pebbles upon the bottom having not only her labor but a wedding for her pains but she accepted the reproof calmly and finished her toilet secundum naturam, the larder was full but she fished again upstream this time for evening might bring another mouth to feed the morning dragged wearily enough and she came back to her fire early with but four fish to her credit account she hung the creel in its accustomed place and resumed her seat by the fire her look moving restlessly from one object to another at last it fell upon his coat which she had left on the couch in the shelter she got up brought it forth into the light and brushed it carefully several objects fell from its pockets a tobacco pouch nearly empty a disreputable and badly charred briar-wood pipe and some papers she picked up the objects one by one and put them back as she did so her eye caught the superscription of a letter she drew it forth quickly and examined it again as though she had not been certain that she had read it correctly then the other envelope scanning them both eagerly they were inscribed with the same name and address all written with the same feminine scrawl and the paper smelt of heliotrope she held them in her fingers a moment her lips compressed her brow thoughtful and then abruptly thrust them into the pocket again and put the coat into the shelter she sat for a long while her chin in her hand looking into the ashes of the fire a cloud moved slowly across the face of the sun and its shadow darkened the glade a hush fell upon the trees as though all living things had stopped to listen the girl glanced at the sky and saw that the heavens were dark with the portent of a storm when some new thought suddenly struck her for she rose quickly her look moving from the shack to the trees beside it a pine and a maple tree measuring the distance and the ground between them of one thing she was now certain another shelter must be built at once her crutch in her hand she made her way into the thicket her small pearl-handled knife clutched resolutely in her palm attacking vigorously the first straight limb within reach at the end of ten minutes she had cut only halfway through it and her tender hands were red and blistered but she put her weight on the bough and snapped it cutting at last through the tough fibers and dragging it into the open ten minutes more of cutting at the twigs and her roof joist was in position her next attempt was unfortunate for she had hardly begun to cut a notch in the branch she had selected when the knife blade broke and the handle twisted in her hand the jagged edge cutting a gash in her thumb she cried out with pain dropping the knife from trembling fingers it was not a serious wound but the few drops of blood made her think it so and pale and a little frightened she made her way to the stream and dipped it into the cooling water bathing and bandaging it with her handkerchief she had learned something the woods were only friendly to those who knew how to cope with them she did not know how to cope with them and at this moment hated them blindly there seemed to be nothing left but to sit by the fire and have a cry this done she felt better but she made no further attempt to build the hut the sky darkened rapidly and a few drops of rain pattered noisily among the dry leaves she had no means of learning the hour of the day she guessed that it would soon be time to prepare supper but for a long while she did not move she was conquered by the inevitable facts of nature and her eyes plaintively regarded the beginnings of the house which might have been but was not the fire like her spirits of the morning had sunk but she rose now her face set in hard little lines of determination and laid on fresh logs as the cheerful flames arose her spirits kindled too and she lifted the creels from the limb and sat down again in her accustomed place to prepare the scanty meal her eyes sought the up-country trail more frequently and more anxiously but the shadows of the night had fallen thickly before she decided to cook her solitary meal she was not hungry as she had been in the morning and even the odor of the cooking fish was not appetizing She only cooked because cooking at this time seemed part of the established order of things and because cooking was something that belonged to the things that she could do. She ate mechanically, rose and washed her utensils without interest. The rain was falling steadily but she did not seem to care and only when she had finished her tasks did she seek the shelter of the hut even then she stood leaning against the young birch tree looking out at the darkness and listening her brows puckered in tiny wrinkles of worry at last with a sigh she sank on her balsam bed and closed her eyes the night was sombrous, and the rain had been falling for an hour the girl sat beneath the shelter of her projecting eve upon the ground where she might look out up the stream her chin on her knees her hands clasped about her ankles watching the raindrops fall glistening into the circle of firelight and hiss spitefully among the fretting flames she had been crying again and her eyes were dark with apprehension her hair hung in moist wisps about her brow and temples and her lips were drawn in plaintive lines she listened intently a dead branch in the distance cracked and fell she started up and peered out for the hundredth time in the direction from which she might expect his approach only the soft patter of the rain on the soaked foliage and the ominous blackness of before she went out into the wet heaping more logs upon the flames the fire at least must be kept burning he had asked that of her that was her duty and she did it unquestioning like the solitary cliff woman awaiting in anxious expectation the return of her lord she would not lie down upon her balsam bed for that would mean that she denied the belief that he would return and so she sat her forehead now bent upon her knees her eyes closed only her ears acutely alive to the slightest distant sounds suddenly she raised her head her eyes alight she heard sounds now human sounds the crunch of footfalls in the moist earth the snapping of fallen twigs she ran out into the rain and called joyously a voice answered she ran forward to meet him he emerged into the light striding heavily bent forward under the weight of something he was carrying oh i'm so glad she cried her voice trembling i had begun to fear i don't know what i thought you you weren't coming back he grinned wearily i believe i'd almost begun to think so myself phew but the thing is heavy he lowered it from his shoulders and threw it heavily near the fire what is it she asked timidly "A oh, dear i shot it he said laconically he straightened slowly getting the kinks out of his muscles with an effort and she saw that his face was streaked with grime and sweat and that his body in the firelight was streaming with moisture his eyes peered darkly from deep caverns oh you're so tired she cried sit down by the fire at once while i cook your supper and as he made no move to obey her she seized him by the arms and led him into the shelter of the hut and pushed him gently down upon the couch you're not to bother about anything she went on in a businesslike way i'll have you something hot in a jiffy i'm so so sorry for you he sat in the bunk with a drooping head his long legs stretched toward the blaze oh i'm all right he grunted but he watched her flitting to and fro with dull eyes and took the cup of water she offered him without protest. She spitted the fish skillfully, crouching on the wet log as she broiled them, while he watched her, half asleep, with a grateful sense of warmth and relaxation. He did not realize until now that he had been on the move with little rest for nearly eighteen hours during four of which he had carried a double burden the cedar tea she brought him first he made a wry face but emptied the saucepan by george that's good i never tasted anything better he ate hungrily like an animal grumbling at the fish bones while she cooked more fish smiling at him there was some of the squirrel left and he ate that too not stopping to question why she had not eaten it herself another saucepan of the tea and he gave a great sigh of satisfaction and moved as though to rise but she pushed him gently down again fumbling meanwhile in the pockets of his coat which lay beside the bed your pipe and tobacco she said handing them to him with a smile i insist you deserve them she went to the fire and brought him a glowing pine twig and blew it for him until the tobacco was ready in a moment he was puffing mechanically she sank quickly upon the dry ground beside him and he looked at her in amazement i forgot he muttered your ankle it's well she smiled i had forgotten it too i haven't used the crutch since morning i'm glad of that a day or two of rest and we'll soon be out of here he had not spoken of their predicament before nor had she it seemed as though in the delight of having him or someone near her she had forgotten the object of his pilgrimage he had not forgotten his mind and body ached too sorely for him to forget his failure she saw the tangle at his brows and questioned timidly you had had no luck no i hadn't and i went almost to the headwaters i found no signs of travel anywhere though i searched the right bank carefully i thought i could remember he put his hand to his brow and drew his long fingers down his temple but i didn't don't worry about it i'm not frightened now in a day or two when i'm quite sure of my foot We'll go out together. I think I really am getting a little tired of fish, she finished smiling. I don't wonder. How would a venison steak strike you? Ah, I forgot. Delicious. You must be a very good shot. Pure luck. You see, my eyes were pretty wide open today and the breeze was favoring. I got quite close to her and fired three times before she could start. After I shot she got away, but I found some blood and followed. She didn't get far. Poor thing, she said softly, her eyes seeking the dark shadow beyond the fire. Poor little thing. He looked down at her, a new expression in his eyes. Yesterday she had been a petulant and self-willed child creating a false position where none need have existed. Diffident and pretentious by turns, self-conscious and overnatural. Tonight she was all woman. Under his tired lids he could see that. Tender, compassionate, gentle, but strong, always strong. There were lines in her face too that he had not seen before. She had been crying one of her hands too was bound with a handkerchief you've hurt yourself again he asked no only a scratch my knife i-i was cutting hesitating cutting sticks for the fish if she had not hesitated he might not have examined her so minutely as it was she looked up at him irresolutely and then away over her head beyond the edge of the shack he saw the young pine tree that she had placed for a roof support ah he muttered but he understood and knocking his pipe out against his heel quietly rose it was raining still not gently and fitfully as it had done earlier in the evening but steadily as though nature had determined to compensate with good measure for the weeks of clear skies that had been apportioned i've got to get to work he said resolutely at what the shack you began no she answered so shortly that he glanced at her her head was turned away from him i mean it she insisted still looking into the darkness you can do no more tonight you must sleep here you're very kind He began slowly. "'No, I'm only just,' she went on firmly. "'You're so tired that you can hardly get up. I'm not going to let you build that shack. Besides, you couldn't. Everything is soaking. Won't you sit down again? I want to talk to you.' Slowly he obeyed, dumb with fatigue, but inexpressibly grateful. "'I don't want you to think I'm a little fool.' she said with petulant abruptness, as though denying an imputation. I think I had a right to be timid yesterday and the day before. I was very much frightened and I felt very strangely. I don't know very many, many men. I was brought up in a convent. I don't think I quite knew what to to expect of you, but I think I do now. She turned her gaze very frankly to his, a gaze that did not waver or quibble with the issue any more than her words did. "'You've been very thoughtful, very considerate of me, and you've done all that strength could do to make things easier for me. I want you to know that I'm very, very thankful.' He began to speak, but her gesture silenced him. It seems to me that the least i can do is to try and accept my position sensibly i'm sure you're doing that i'm trying to i don't want you to think that i've any nonsense left in my head or false consciousness i want you to treat me as you treat a man i'll do my share if you'll show me how you're more likely to show me how he said no I can show you nothing but appreciation. I do that, don't I? Yes, I hope I'll deserve it. I'm taking that risk, she said with a winning laugh. I'd have to be pretty sure of you or I wouldn't be sitting here flattering you so. I hope you'll keep on, drowsily. I like it. There, I knew it. I've spoiled you already. You'll be making me haul the firewood tomorrow. And cook breakfast, he put in sleepily. Of course, I'll not stir out of here all day if you talk like this. Then I won't talk any more. Do, please. It's very soothing. I actually believe you're falling asleep. No, just dreaming. Of what? Of the time a thousand years ago. When you and I did all this before, she looked at him with startled eyes. What made you say that? Because I dreamed it. It's nonsense. I suppose it is. I'm half asleep. She was silent a moment, her wide gaze on the fire. It's curious that you should say that. Why is it? i only told what i was dreaming of you haven't any business dreaming such things it all happened all happened before he muttered again his head was nodding he slept as he sat she got up noiselessly and taking him by the shoulders lowered him gently to the bed his lips babbled protestingly but he did not wake and in a moment he was breathing heavily in the deep sleep of exhaustion she stood beside him for a moment smiling and then softly sank upon the ground by his side still watching the rain had stopped falling but outside the glistening circle of the firelight the water from the heavy branches dripped heavily the heavens lightened and a bleary cloud opened a single eye and blinking a moment at last let the moonlight through from every tree pendants of diamonds festoons of opals were hung and flashed their radiance in the rising breeze falling in splendid profusion over her head the drops pattered noisily upon the roof after a while she heard them singly and at last silence fell again upon the forest It was her night of vigil and the girl kept it long. She was not frightened now. Kiwe din crooned a lullaby and she knew that the trees which repeated it were her friends. It was a night of mystery, of dreams, and of a melancholy so sweet that she was willing even then to die with the pain of it and in the distance a voice sang faintly le jour bien souvent dans nos bois hélas le cœur plein de souffrances je cherche ta si doux voix mais tout se tait tout est silenceux oh loin de toi de toi que j'aime dans les ennuis ô oh, mes amours dans les regrets De, l'air Loin de toi je passe mes jours the girl at last slept uneasily her head pillowed upon the cedar twigs beside the body of the man who lay as he had first fallen prone his arms and legs sprawling twice during the night she got up and rebuilt the fire for it was cold once a wolf sat just outside the circle of firelight grinning at her, not even moving at her approach, but she threw a stick at him and he slunk away. After that she pulled the carcass of the deer into the opening of the hut and mounted guard over it until she was sure the wolf would not return. Then she lay down again and listened to the breathing of the man chapter five.